So hello, how can we overcome crisis in, in our lives? I think everyone sometimes is stuck in a season and we're facing some crisis in our lives. And I know I don't like crisis. And I, even though I don't like to create a crisis, but Paul was actually in an amazing big storm. He was on the way to Rome. This was his destiny, the place where he can share and preach the word of God. And all of a sudden, he faces a crazy storm. And in that storm, we can react in three different ways, actually. The first option could be like the eyes closed type. There are those people, when a storm comes, you're closing your eyes, you play like that, and you close your eyes for so long, and you hope when you open up your eyes that the storm is over. But shocked, the storm is still here. The second type is actually the escape type. There are those people you want to run away from the storm. You want to run away from the crisis. But even though if you try it hard to run away, you're realizing it doesn't matter as hard I try to run away, the storm, the crisis is still there. Uh, I mean, you know that from uh, when you dream, uh, everyone has uh, sometimes a dream, you want to run away in the dream, but you're still in the same place and it doesn't matter how hard you try to run away, you stick in a place. That's the second type of people. The third type is actually the fighting type. There are those people, they will say, I can speak just one word to the storm and the storm comes to a stop in the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how hard you fight, the storm is still here. And it's a shocking statement. There are some storms in our life, it doesn't matter how hard you try, how hard you pray, how hard you believe, the storm is still here. Paul is telling us that story in the book of Acts about the storm, they're heading actually to Rome. But Paul is speaking in the book of Corinthians about many crises he faced in his life. I have been in prison more often than you. I have suffered terrible beatings. Again and again I almost died. Five times the Jews gave me 39 strokes with a whip. Three times I was beaten with sticks. Once they tried to kill me by throwing stones at me. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have had to keep on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. I have been in danger from robbers. I have been in danger from people from my own country. I have been in danger from those who aren't Jews. I have been in danger in the city, in the country and at sea. I have been in danger from people who pretended they were believers. I have worked very hard. Often I have gone without sleep. I have been hungry and thirsty. Often I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, every day I'm concerned about all the churches. It is a very heavy load. Paul faced so many crises in his life. This is 
crazy, anything crisis sometimes. I don't like it, to be honest. I don't pray for it, that I fall into a crisis, but I really think that in a crisis, it's very important that you know that God is still with you. You're never alone in the crisis. I know God can speak just one word, that simple magic Christian word, and the stop comes to completion. And if you have a smartphone right now at home, just take out your smartphone, and I want to ask you a question. What is your crisis you are facing? Just let us know what is the crisis right now you're facing in your life. And with Slido, you just uh, put in your crisis and uh, let me let us know actually what crisis you're facing in your personal life. What is the crisis you are facing in your life? And I know for myself, I know that God can speak the one word and God can stop the storm. God can stop any crisis. That's not a big deal for God. And to be honest, when I'm in a crisis, I pray always the same prayer. God, stop it. You are in the position. You are able. You are almighty. You are known. That's not a big deal for you, God. But you know what often is the response of God? Yes, I can, but I want. And you will learn that I'm enough and you're not alone in the crisis. I am with you, I am for you, and I'll never leave in you or forsaking you. Just let us know what, what is the crisis right now you're facing in your life. Thank you so much for all the answers. That means we are not, you're not alone in the boat. We are all together in that, you know. And Paul faced this crazy storm in that boat. And I know they were not sure if they will die because it was very heavy for hours and hours and days and days. And sometimes the season we are in a storm is maybe too long. And uh, Tobias Tycan from Isaac Nuki will explain us how can we navigate in that storm, in those crises. How can I navigate through a storm, especially in the crisis, like a storm in the crisis? So I'm a really sensitive soul when it comes to seasickness. I don't know how it's in your life, but when it's a little bit shaky in my life, when I'm on a boat maybe, I'm very fast in a seasickness situation. My son is a totally opposite. Like He loves it. When it's shaking in the boat, he loves, for example, on Oktoberfest, we have these special boats, like a boat swing, and he always wants to go there. When he was a small boy already, he said, oh, Betty, I want to go in this a boat swing. I said, no, I won't survive. Well, then we went in it and afterwards I almost had to throw up because it was, I'm so sensitive to soul and when it comes to uh, uh, seasicknesses and but 
that's not uh, the the point Paulus is ex Paul is experienced because he has really a tough situation. It's like a, not a, like a boat swing. It's really tough situation. You can read it in Acts 27 and 28, and you will find out that it's really a tough situation. It's a strong storm, a strong crisis, and the question is, what helps me in this situation? And uh, I want to. Uh, make it like a picture when we uh, and when we don't have orientation in our life, in, when we like seasick. And I want to read to you Acts 27, 20. When neither, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So the problem is it was over days and they didn't see sun or stars. And this is a picture for me in the crisis, like the sun or star, a picture for God, that in the crisis everything is dark and I don't see through the dark clouds. I don't see God. It seems like God had forgot, forgotten me and it seems like I'm alone. So what helps me to have no orientation in this situation? So in a boat I need, need a map and I need a compass and I need a telescope. So it's a picture for me. I need the word of God filled with the Holy Spirit to see through the dark clouds to see what God is doing in my life. So how can I do it? I want to read to you uh, Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every situation, even in crisis, in storms, uh, by prayer and uh, uh, sorry, Uh, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So thanksgiving in it is a really big key. Psalm 145. The Lord is trustworthy in all his words and loving in all his works. So thankfulness is maybe a very big, uh, big uh, key. Paul did the same. He was breaking the bread and then he gave thanks to the Lord. Afterwards, the people had new hope. So how can I do it? In the crisis, in the storm, everything is, everywhere is dark clouds. How can I do it that I have new hope with thanksgiving? So I can use all the promises God is giving to me through the Bible and use them and say, God, thank you in advance. So how can it be? For example, in the crisis, I think I do not matter to God. Then I can use a Bible verse. Thank you that you love more, more than love me more than anything. When I think I'm all alone, thank you that you care about everything I need. When I think in the crisis nobody's looking after me, thank you that you heal my wounds and injuries. When I'm hopeless, thank you that you give me future and hope. Thank you I'm the property of God and have nothing to fear. When I think God has abandoned me, left me alone. Thank you that you are always with me until the end of time. And so you can use Bible verses and you can try it at home. You can find it out and then use it in the Christ and say, thank you, God, in advance. Thank you that you are the good shepherd. God is always a good shepherd. But in the crisis, it, I don't feel it. I don't see it. But when I say, thank you that you're still a good shepherd. Thank you that you're still with me. Then my faith will grow. Or other examples. Thank you that you don't break me. Thank you that you will complete the good work in me. Thank you that you're holding me. All are Bible verses and they are true for me in every situation. Thank you that you're praying for me. Thank you for saying for whoever is seeking will find, whoever asks will receive, whoever knocks will grant it access. Thank you that I can trust you. So you can try it in a crisis to say thanksgiving in the problem. And you will see that you can see in a spiritual way with the spiritual eyes through the dark clouds and see the sun again, see God again. And then the storm is not over maybe, but I have hope again. And hope is the most important thing to go through a storm.
You know, like in, in that storm, actually. In that storm, actually, Paul, they prayed, they believed, they got new hope. And this is actually what happens when we navigate in a very, very godly way. Fasting and praying and reading the Word of God is like a compass. It's like, it, it helps us actually to navigate to the storm. But here is the deal, dear friends. Sometimes we believe, if I pray, if I fast, God will protect me from all those crises but not in the story of Paul. All of a sudden, the, ball, the, the boat was falling apart and they were holding on wood and they know that's the only thing maybe who can survive us. And Samuel Koch, he will share us his story. He prayed and he fasted and all of a sudden his life was falling apart in 1,000 pieces. Here's the story of Samuel Koch. Hello everybody, I just suffered serious wreckage and reached out to you from the Isle of Malta. That is not entirely correct. My life certainly was hit, but I'm still at home here in Mannheim and when I drive outside in the sun during springtime, as I do now, I have to admit that I don't understand a few things and they don't make any sense to me. These lavish perfumes of nature the flowers that just started to blossom, and some flowers blossom and wither without anyone seeing them. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. In a few moments when the sun sets, and I'm outside in the wild night, and when I look at the stars and try to understand infinity, I have to admit again, I don't understand it, and it doesn't make sense. And why is a tiger sitting here? I don't understand. My ship, metaphorically speaking, was my body. Regardless of whether I was accepted as a scholar at the State University of Illinois, as coach for gymnastics, or as a pilot for the German Air Force, or as an acrobat for the Cirque du Soleil, many ways led to Rome in my life. So I decided to study theater, and at the same time I received an offer for a German TV show that I refused in the beginning because I found it quite dishonorable for a gymnast to make a fool of myself. Many people advised me to participate. Also leaders in my church said, if you want to talk about your faith in front of 10 million people, you should go. So I finally decided to do it. In the TV show I made like a thousand times before my somersaults, but this time I fell and broke my neck four times, so my ship was wrecked. All my dreams, my wishes and plans that I had were destroyed in that moment. I didn't understand what was going on. It didn't make any sense to me. And now I want to talk about something that I find difficult to talk about because I don't like people that complain a lot without suffering. And in fact, I don't like to talk about it either. But my life is off the record currently quite, sorry, shitty. The situation around the coronavirus is threatening my livelihood because events and presentations are cancelled. I don't know how the next year will be looking like. My doctor told me that if the inflammation on my right foot continues like that, they will have to amputate it. The state of care that I need is very unsafe and I could go on and on and I actually don't feel comfortable with it. 
But what I think is quite surprising is the fact that in all these disgusting circumstances, I feel good and I feel in shape and I'm looking forward to the next day. I go outside and look at the birds during this beautiful spring weather. I look at them and think they don't sow, they don't reap, and God still provides for them. I know and I rely on the scripture that says that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. You might not understand the fact that there is a person with paraplegia who exercises his paralyzed body. It doesn't make any sense. And it might seem naive to be glad and without sorrows when you're surrounded by it. I think in all of this, my foundation is the same beautiful and extravagant love that created this fragrant nature. And even if you shipwreck, your ship is gone and you're stranded on a lonely island where nothing seems to make any sense and a snake bites you in the heel and everything is hurting, I still do believe that it makes sense to carry on. Like Toby said, to search for things you can be grateful for, to continue to exercise, although this perhaps incomprehensible and doesn't make any sense, that is what you call faith. A strong confidence in what you hope for, an assurance about what you do not see or do not see yet. And with this hope and this faith and this joy, I hand back to my beloved people in the Alps, to you whom I don't see. Straight back to you, Leo. Thank you. Bye. While Paul and the whole crew, they lost the ship, the boat, was falling in 1,000 pieces. They were in open seas for more than one day. They were holding on wood, and they know that's the only thing we can grab and hold on, and they were not sure if they will survive it or not. It's another crazy story. I mean, Paul, they prayed, they fasted in the boats, they believed that God is able, that God is here. This is the same thing we do when we are facing Christ. We still believe in God, we pray, we fast, we do everything we can do, right? And it gives us hope and the faith and the belief that God is still able. But then all of a sudden, everything falls apart and we ask the question, God, where, where are you? Why does those things happen to me? And in that story, they ended in Malta. And Malta is actually a place where they're not long to be because they were heading to Rome. And in Malta, it's actually a picture. Sometimes your biggest dreams and your longings and desires are crashing and you had to let go your dreams and even though sometimes you're calling and that's not the place you want to be. Hey, it's not always the devil. It's not always your decisions. Why things happen sometimes? It's the decision of wrong decisions of other people. And that's very hard because when Paul entered the boat, he said, God gave me a dream. We will not come out of that boat very well. And if we're entering that boat, it will be a tragic. It will be a horrible thing. And nobody was listening to the warnings of Paul. And Paul was all of a sudden in the middle 
of an amazing crisis. I think that story becomes your and my story as well a little bit because the whole world is in this virus and we are shocked. We are in Malta in a place we are not supposed to be. It's not a place we want to be. It's a place we are stuck in that place. It's a place with rain and it's very cold. And hey, by the way, fate doesn't prevent us from a shipwreck. Faith doesn't prevent us always from crisis. Sometimes we're facing a crisis. It's not the devil. It's not my decisions. It's sometimes people, they made wrong decisions. For those people, you have a Bible at home. I want to show you right now for a moment. Where is Malta? And here's a map in some Bibles. In the end, there's a map. And as you can see, here is Malta. Here is Malta. Malta, not Rome. It was on the way to Rome. And often we are stuck in Malta. Malta is a picture and image of we are stuck in Malta. Malta is cold. Malta is rainy. Malta, it's not our calling. Malta, it's not our destiny. Hey, Malta, it's not the place we're supposed to be with God Almighty. And all of a sudden, because of a virus, the whole world is like in Malta, believe it or not. And in Malta, there's a lot of topics in us. Maybe all of a sudden you feel bored. Or all of a sudden you are afraid of losing your company. All of a sudden your whole family is not in a healthy mood anymore. Or you can, you're not able to do sport. Or you're afraid of your church, of your ministry, of your small groups, of your teams, of traveling, whatever. We are stuck in Malta. What is, what is your Malta? What is your Malta? It's not a question if you, if we can prevent Malta, all of a sudden, we are in Malta, and the question is, what is our position in Malta? We know that God turns every mess into a message, right? We believe that God can turn every misery into a message as well. And when Paul and the people of God faced Malta, they had to make a decision. We still believe. That God is able. We still believe that God is good. We still believe that we believe in a loving God, in a caring God, in a shepherd God. We will not stop believing that our God is able and good. And the Bible says the people of Malta, they were very friendly. And they created the fire. And because it was cold and rainy, and while Paul was holding his hands on the fire, all of a sudden, he was spit by a snake. Hey, think for a moment. I mean, some hours ago, he survived the storm through a miracle, the amazing crisis. And only hours later, he was bit by a snake. And the people in Malta, they thought, oh my gosh, he must be a murderer or all the gods against him. He must be a sinner. There must be something between him and the gods, and the gods are not happy and are pleased. Can you imagine what a position Paul was again 
an amazing big crisis. And I think the snake is a symbol when we facing a crisis. There's a lot of voices around you. There's a lot of people, they're looking at you, how you handle this situation. And by the way, the snake was poisoned. It goes into your system. It goes into your heart, soul, and brain. And this is an image or a picture of when we're facing a storm and a crisis. There are some words in us. I'm afraid to be sick too. Or I'm afraid I could die as well. Or I'm afraid of losing all the money. I'm losing my ministry. Some people have said to me personally, I'm not sure if my church will survive the crisis. Or I'm not sure if my company will survive it. I'm not sure if my family goes on after that crisis. That means we are bit by snakes, by circumstances. Hey, you're not alone in that crisis. We opened a coffee some month ago and you know when you're opening a coffee restaurant it takes a while that you're coming to the zone where you earn money and it was very hard for us the first month a beautiful coffee and one week before the lockdown we tried to have a brunch test we asked some people just come and join us and we want to test the brunch after Sunday celebration and if it works very well with the food and everything then we asked the church for brunch that gives us an income And the week before the lockdown, this was the one of the very first week our coffee ran very well. We, we made some money and we felt, oh my gosh, now we are in the, in a good zone, you know, in, in the blessing zone of an economy good zone. Only one week later, boom, lockdown. This is our Malta. Malta is for everyone real. Malta is a place where even the snake bites you. What happens with the bite is the poison. Don't ever allow your thoughts, your circumstances, your fear, the voices, what people think, what people say, how people act. Don't allow people to define your future. But we are in Malta. You know, Paul gives us a very good illustration. What is our position when the snake bites you? He shook it off. Shook it off. Shook off all the thoughts, all the voices, all the everything in your life. Shook it off. Because this has not the power to kill you. And I love what happens actually. Paul is, is doing an amazing thing in Malta. In Acts chapter 28 verse 8. As it happened, Paul's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him and he laid his hands on him and he healed him again. Hey, maybe you're stuck in Malta. That's not the place we are supposed to be. That's not the place we long to be. It's cold and rainy. Hey, out of a misery, out of every mess, God can turn it into a message. And I really believe if we embrace Malta, if you say yes to Malta, God is using you and me to be a healing person for a lost world. Acts chapter 28 verse 9. Then all the other sick people and on the island came and were healed. 
Hey, that's an amazing story. You know, Paul was almost dying in the boat. They survived through miracle. The snake was poisoned. He shook it off. And Malta is a picture, is a message for you and me. Yes, I don't like Malta. That's not the place I choose. That's not the place I want to be. It's not even the devil. It's not even um, some wrong decisions. It's just happened. And right now, whatever your Malta is, maybe you're on a job and you don't like the job. I call it the Malta job. Maybe you are in, in, a, in a relationship, it falls apart. Maybe that's a Malta relationship. Maybe your whole company is falling apart and that seems like Malta. You are in a position, a crisis, you don't like it. God can speak only one word and your Malta is over. But I think there is a message, there is a nugget. God is saying if we embrace the Malta, the place we don't want to be, God can turn the mess and the misery into an amazing story. In closing, church, before the lockdown happened, we had a prayer team with all the leaders from Zurich and we came together for prayer. And I believe the best thing is in a crisis. The best thing is also when there is no crisis is to pray with each other and you seek the Lord. And we seek the Lord and God spoke to me and said, Leo, in this crisis, you have to be a leader. You have to be around the church. You have to lead the crisis, navigate the church to the crisis. And I got this idea to start from Monday to Thursday, our prayer. We call it the hour of prayer every single week. And my wife and I, we had some months ago an idea to write a book, but we said we have no time because we're very busy. And in the lockdown, we wrote a book, 31 Styles of Prayer. That means I not do nothing. That means in my Malta, I'm writing a book. I heard from many stories, they're doing many good things in their Maltas. Some people just start the blog, some people starting with Instagram, some people they paint their houses, some people they started a brand new company, some people even in the crisis, they started online churches around the world. You know, for us as a church planting movement, we cannot travel anymore. You know what we did last week? We met a web seminar for all those people that want to plant churches. And more than 200 people plugged in. If you embrace your Malta, a place you don't want to be, God can turn the mess and the misery into a message. And you are born for such a time as this. And I really believe you're the right person. You're in the right position. And right now it's the time for signs and miracles. And if the devil bites you, the snake bites you, shake it off. 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 Shake it off and embrace your mouth in your life. And you come stronger out of the season of the crisis then you entered that crisis. What is your Malta? God is in your Malta. God Almighty is in your Malta. God is using you and me, the whole entire body of Christ, to be a message, to be a miracle for Malta. Paul used Malta to be saved from the storm. But the people in Malta used Paul to be saved from God and by God. Hey, I would love to lead you into your prayer because I know 
that's not the message for some people. This is the message for all of us. All of us, sometimes we are stuck in a Malta. It's not a question why. That's just the place we are in right now. And we are the salt and the light of this earth. And I really believe, I really do believe that God can use us for revival, for reformation, for transformation, because God is not finished yet. Father God, I'm so thankful that your hands, hand is above me. Your hand is surrounding me from all the sides and I'm still covered and protected in your hand. The devil has not the last word, even the mistakes of some people, they are not the last word because the last word always belongs to you. And I love you, I adore you, and I want to embrace my Malta. I cannot run away from my Malta. But Malta, it's the only way to Rome. Malta, it's the only way for the next step of blessing. Do you know that? Malta, it's not the place I do nothing. Malta, it's not the place I complain. Malta, is not the place I mourn and I cry. I use my hands to pray for my neighbors. I use my words to prophesying to my neighborhood who is lost. And I am blessed in my Malta to a blessing for other people. The time to complain is over. Malta was rainy and cold, but Paul embraces Malta. And Malta became a revival moment. Malta became the point where we read the Bible right now and we are encouraged by that story because Malta was not the end of his story. It's just a chapter in the chapters. But it was the way to Rome again. Let's stand up and let's praise Jesus Christ and let's embrace your Malta because God is using your Malta for signs and for miracles and also for a breakthrough. Come on, church. And the children, and the children, and the children.